Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide Podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize Seize the the faith. Welcome to episode 138 of the Carpe Fide Podcast slash video. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Yeah, we're doing it. Well, we're trying to do it. We're actually in two separate locations if you couldn't tell Which on the video un- it's unusual for us but yeah it um I, I i can't i can try to touch you but i can't i can't do it <laughs> oh well we were, we we're gonna touch gonna touch each other through I'm gonna like try and touch through the camera the david the god and Adam. all right it's enough. that's that's weird everyone's very upset now <laughs> welcome to episode 138 of the carpe fide podcast this is uh Episode number two, we did an introduction episode on the culture war. Um, We talked about some uh, Facebook happenings uh, just to give a social context to the culture war that we were kind of trying to frame, that there are many ideas out there in the ethos, ideologies in the culture, and we wanted to be able to identify the fact that we're actually in a live battle, uh, a very real, real spiritual war that has very tangible ways in which we must engage in that uh, conflict. And we wanted to take some terms that they're not just necessarily like militaristic terms. They've also been, you know, brought kind of in the mainstream, but some of them are very exclusively uh, militaristic and it's all good, but they're going to give us a framework for understanding how we're going to engage in the culture war. And our episode tonight is episode 138, Mission Objective. I should probably say the number one more time. Culture war mission objective. And uh, if you're watching the video, we even have a banner for that. So, <laughs> yep. Hashtag there's a banner for that. Hashtag there's a banner for that. Um, <laughs> before we do this, though, just for fun, because we do have a video now. So, for those of you that want to or are on the audio podcast, you want to just see, even if you just want to see this portion, I wanted to get Jesse's live react to this because. This is something that's happened in the past two weeks, and and we had a week there where we just could not get to get to record, and um, and we're we're adjusting, we're making adjustments. Um, but this video is uh, Panera Bread Karen. I don't know if any of you have seen this or not, but Jesse, you have not seen this video, correct? I have not seen Panera Bread this Karen. No, this is so great. All right, so this <laughs> the reason the reason why Jesse live react to this is because. I feel like more than anyone else, this will dramatically affect his life if this were to be the way drive throughs operated moving forward. So uh, we're going to get this queued up and and then we'll just gonna digest it for a minute just because it's going to be fun to do. All right. So uh, here is the the TikTok shared by this this mother uh who people are then calling panera bread karen here we go so you are gonna refuse to take my order because my child was screaming yes i have the right to do that if you're more than one comment center you can place an order online and we'll make it for you that is really like you're gonna not take my order yes ma'am that is what i'm saying okay all right well i do have this on video and i will be emailing corporate because that's just like completely rude i cannot come inside because my daughter does not have shoes on do you understand that no, I understand, but you're also more than welcome to order through uh, online as well. So you want me to take an extra 20 minutes and order online? That's not convenient to me. It's your job to take orders and stuff, and this is ridiculous. So I'd like you to take my order, please. I will be happy to take your order as long as you're ready. All right. I think a pretty good. Okay, I don't need this attitude. So you are going <laughs> to refuse to take. I think that's a. I think that's a good decision on your part. All right, um, Jesse, you hmm. you have a lot of kids. <laughs> <laughs> you, they make noise. A lot of a lot of noises, and you sometimes frequent a drive-through here or there. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Would you ever be able to eat a drive-thru if that was the standard for drive-thru ordering? <laughs> it would be a it would be a sad life. <laughs> I'd probably never be able to order a drive uh, no, I, I I Matt Walsh did this and he uh he decided that both both people were canceled, both the drive-thru attendant and 
Panera Bread can Karen were canceled. I I I tend to side with the lady on this. The whole idea of a drive-through is the reason I'm not inside is because it is it was too much for me to go inside. So I'm utilizing the drive-through. <laughs> right. Yes. In order to in order to avoid going inside. Completely. I can assure you. I have worked at Starbucks and Chick-fil-A. We both had drive throughs And this is not a situation that would occur. There is always ridiculous sounds coming from the car that you are talking to. It, just, it is not a business practice to be like, your child yelling. We're not going to service you anymore. You're out of here. <laughs> Get the heck out of line. Your kid's too loud. <laughs> That's not how business works. That's not your whole job. Like just soldier through that really hard interaction <laughs> just like how how bad was it if they could then have that entire conversation completely uninterrupted like it was like a minute long conversation i didn't hear any background noise the kid yelled what twice like Maybe. and even if that kid was yelling incessantly that whole time my whole job is to focus on hearing your order take it so that you can then pull forward and move forward in the line like I'm not going to have a conversation about not taking your order because your child's yelling. Like, that's not even hard. You know how hard it is when someone's got, like, just music blaring and they, like, ignorantly don't turn it down and they're trying to order, you know, a Chick-fil-A sandwich oh or, or a large Frappuccino? Anyway, I just saw that and I said, this would dramatically affect Jesse's life. He would, They would never be able to order drive through <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. sir, your child's screaming. Oh, that no, that child stopped. It's a different child screaming now. <laughs> this is a different, this is one of my totally, totally separate kid. I mean, don't I get like, you know, one scream per kid? <laughs> I just want to take my kids through a Panera drive through and just have them scream for like a minute straight as they're trying to take the order. <laughs> I feel like that's the appropriate boycott. <laughs> well, because here's how it goes. Here's how it goes. It goes, um, <laughs> It goes, yeah, I'd like a Cinecrunch. Timmy, stop, shut it, Timmy, stop it. It's not just like they're yelling. You're yelling at the kid. The whole situation oh, yeah. Life is happening. Oh, yeah. All right, thank you. That's Thank you for indulging me, uh, everyone, on the Carpet Fide podcast. I'll make sure there's a link that you too can see that in the uh, show notes for the podcast. And doing, you know, you're getting a visual here. It's not really much of a video to watch. The audio is where it's at because you're just yeah. staring at Panera Bread Karen's just taking a video of the microphone. It's all we're seeing. Um, nonetheless, ah, that was a great way to start. All right, culture war, mission objective. <clears throat> Settling down. A uh, couple of stories that have happened this week that I think uh, <laughs> highlight not Panera Bread Karen. She's like two weeks ago. She's like so old news. Um, <laughs> also, she's definitely more right than the guy in the drive-thru. Just saying. Uh, we'll leave it at that. <clears throat> I want to know what the resolution is. Like, what what happened? The resolution, is, the resolution is first of all that's where that's where you don't do that, right? Look, here's here's the pro tip, right? The pro tip is instead of going through the drive thru, they say you can't order through the drive thru. You can order on the app. You know what you do? You take your kid out. You you belligerently carry that child into Panera Bread, right? And you before here's the pretty before you go into the Panera Bread, you look at your your beautiful little child and you say, I promise as soon as we get in there, you're gonna get a beautiful stuffed teddy bear. And then you walk in with holding your child and you say, <laughs> Oh my gosh, there's no stuffed teddy bears in here. You're not gonna get any stuffed teddy bear ever. And that child will scream and scream. And you walk <laughs> right up to that counter with that screaming child and you say, Hi, I'd like to place an order. That's exactly <laughs> how you play that off, everyone. Just so we're all on the oh same page. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> all right there there, there would have been help there would have been hell to pay <laughs> yeah because all the lady wants like let's be honest all, all this all this all this care wants is a ham and cheese croissant which by the way that right just a ham and cheese croissant from panera bread with a with a coffee which tastes like garbage and it's not even good food just give her the food oh my gosh anyway <sighs> man that's a culture I feel, like, I feel like we're being succumbed to some <laughs> mission drift right now in our episode <laughs> Oh man, we're not even there. All right, culture war. This one is about mission. Why are we? In, why are we in a culture war? I just want to give you a few quick stories that have happened this past week. Um, we, for for those of you that that know, or have been paying attention to you know anything that's been happening in our greater North American continent here. Uh, the a federal court ruled right, Jesse, for um for Canada, 
that the use of their emergency powers act uh, against the uh, trucker, um, what will we call it? Protest. We'll just call it a protest uh, at the bridge. Convoy, yeah. Whatever. Right, convoy at the, at the Capitol. And uh, was the, the Emergency Powers Act was not was illegally used against them. It was a, a misuse of the Emergency Powers Act. In other words, they sided with uh, the truckers, the protest itself. Um, right. And in doing that, we got a, a wonderful little piece um not from Justin Trudeau because he's a cowardly, despicable person, but not to be outdone, even though Justin Trudeau did not weigh in. Deputy Prime Minister Christia, Christia, Christia I just love her name, Christia, and then the ironic name of Freeland. was <laughs> a very ironic. Oh, name. I feel like we've I feel like we've talked about Freeland before. Yes, what it was referenced to. So many times we've talked about Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland because she's the Deputy Prime Minister of a cesspool place that is, you know, tried of to... Of the not-free land. Yes, of the not-free land. <laughs> Christia of the not-free land. Um, she did speak out about this. She, the, the, obviously, the Trudeau administration or whatever you want to call their stupid cabinet positions uh, is very unhappy with this ruling, with the court made. Uh, Christia Freeland said, we believed we were doing something necessary and something legal at the time that continues to be my belief today and here's where we get some interesting spicy little words here this was an just reject just reject reality seriously uh this was an, ex an extremely tense time the safety of individual canadians was under real threat our national security was under real threat our national security including our economic security she said so she thinks it's okay to take everyone's god-given rights away for safety national security and economic security i mean safety. who who was pointing the guns <laughs> <laughs> right like, you, you know what i mean like who was pointing the guns it wasn't the kids playing in the bounce house it was no. the it was no. the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of officers pouring into the streets out of the subways on on and on horseback <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. trampling gram trampling grandmothers uh yeah. perfectly good street hockey games for, for by teenagers it's just ridiculous confiscating you know fossil fuels because that's their job it was the whole it was obviously ridiculous um, but I wanted to point that I didn't, I didn't want to get too far down that rabbit trail. We've done that. We did that. We already did that. We're, we've lived, we lived that for a long time, right? Yeah. I want to pull away from that particular rabbit trail. I just want to point out here that Justin Trudeau's government's like, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't agree with that court court courts full of crud and we're going to appeal. And we don't, we don't care what that ruling is. Right. Separately, the, uh, made act, which is the medical assistance in dying, which is a Canadian law because they are a socialist medicine uh socialist welfare state and so everyone gets health care up there and it turns out that you know it'd probably be convenient if a few people wanted to kill themselves and then it would release some clogs in the old <clears throat> social medicine um industry but well, if, if you're running out of funding you just you just reduce the amount of beneficiaries <laughs> yes well <clears throat> they were uh sued uh in a court case um basically by someone who said that mental illness should be able to partake in the medical assistance in dying act and um because logically it follows that if you can kill yourself why are you trying to stop mentally ill people from killing themselves when your logic is, is so immoral of i mean where they got a point sure you can kill yourselves um anyway <laughs> that that is going into that that is trying they're trying to push that into effect there is um, a they have like a stay kind of order right now, so it's not fully in effect. Um, but basically, like if you're depressed, you can just seek a doctor out to kill you um, is the idea here, which is obviously a horrible idea. The idea, the whole thing that you have a mental illness is that you're not thinking correctly and you shouldn't be allowed to make these types it's like of the only demographic. The only demographic they don't want to kill themselves is the, are the are the trans people. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's like they're the only people that they don't want to kill themselves. Uh, but the irony here is Trudeau's like, well, you know, it is it is probably a bad idea to do this. But in the New York Times article, we read the government of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, which has been criticized for its rollout of this policy, has defended its actions by pointing to a 2019 court decision in Quebec that officials say mandates the expansion. 
So in one case, it's like the the court's full of crap, and then the other case, it's like, well, we got to do what the court says. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Pick a lane, dude. Pick a lane. <laughs> oh, anyway, that's the real the real culture war issues that I think we face there. Um, just a, another side note, little cultural story, real culture war we're in. Uh, Pope Francis uh, um, has obviously stepped in it with some of his recent uh, um, communications relationships for the Catholic Church. It's a whole thing. Maybe they should stick to God's word and not go with the traditions of men, and then we don't have to be confused by what he means by blessings or I don't even know what he means by same-sex relationships anymore. I don't know what that guy's talking about. Um, it was just how he framed it, because the big issue is the African churches are like, we don't do that here. <laughs> All the African Catholic bishops are like, wait, whoa, what? No, we're not doing that. Um, for those of you that don't know, many African countries actually do have laws against, you know, homosexual activity, um, which I know we sounds absolutely horrible, um, but they seem to be making it all right with it. So nonetheless, here's how Pope Francis framed trying to create a carve out for the specifically for the African Catholic Church. He said, quote, critics of his declaration belong to small ideological groups. Now, this is except Africans whom he said were, quote, a separate case, which does feel a little racist, because, quote, for them, homosexuality is something, scare quote, bad <laughs> from a cultural point of view, and they don't tolerate it. The So it can be culturally bad, but not biblically bad? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He's basically saying, we understand why the Africans don't want to bless same-sex couples because they see it as bad. <laughs> what, does it, what do you mean? Doesn't it want the Bible? All right. All right. That's enough. And if that wasn't enough for you, uh, Montana, Big Sky Country, home of Yellowstone, um, <clears throat> they this week uh, had a court decision handed down to a family who lost custody of their child because they would not participate in the transing of that of their child. That the public school system identified the depressed teen and walked them through some care which led them to identify her as trans and the parents would not affirm the trans and then they lost a court battle losing custody of their child not in california not in new jersey obviously these are cesspool places we would expect it to happen there not in new york in montana 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 where they have cowboys and they their coffee is as thick as oil and they have animals. Buffalo and have, it's like buffalo stuff. and Indians yeah. and they're killing things. Like Montana. Ugh. Anyway. Do they have Kanye or was that Wyoming? They have Kanye. I think that's Wyoming. That's a good question. Wyoming. That's a fair question. The whole idea here is that these are big ideas. These are big cultural ideas that are happening. There's ideological movements happening and they're coming up against what are clearly held biblical Christian positions. God honoring righteous positions. And if we're not ready to engage we're going to have a problem. And that's why we're going to talk about culture war here. Mission objective. All right. Mission objective. Jesse, why don't you hit us with some definitions from the notes? I'm assuming you have the notes up over there. Wherever I do. I do have the notes up this time. I have them. And I have uh, the Bible up. I, I have everything up. The Bible and the notes. The Bible. My Both. mind is blown. All right. Mission objective uh, is obviously made up of two words. Mission. Correct. And objective. Why don't you give us... Uh, now, these are, these are coming from a... Uh, I, I can't remember which exact military handbook I got these from. Why don't you give us, though, the definition of mission, Jesse, and the definition of objective? Alrighty. So mission is the task together with the purpose that clearly indicates the action to be taken and the reason therefore. An objective is the clearly defined, decisive, and attainable goal toward which every operation is directed. Awesome. I love both of these definitions because, of course, obviously the Army has definitions for everything that they do because they're going to plan out and execute all these things and lots of planning and words and definitions and hopefully stuff. they execute something against the houthis because they're they're kind of they're a little problematic right. over don't there right get, now don't even get me started don't even get <laughs> sorry. Me started. sorry sorry but... <sighs> not 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 now not now basically the mission 
from our understanding here, gives us sort of the how and the why, while the objective gives us the what. The how and why coming from the from the mission is this is what we're going to do. This is why we're doing it. This is going to these are the these are the actionable steps we're taking because objective right is the what because this is what we're going to accomplish. This is the thing that we're then result. Knowing the objective outcome that you're seeking to bring about, knowing the outcome's intended purpose and pl- and the plan to obtain that outcome. That is what mission objective is. We have an objective outcome, right? We know we know we know that we're aiming at it. We know the purpose of the outcome and we have a plan to obtain that outcome. That is mission objective. It's key. It's super integral. In fact, the reason we have most of the problems when we're going into what we have what we know is modern wars is we totally forget mission objective or we went in with a a very unclear mission objective and that's why all this stuff ends up getting just so ridiculously drawn out and and murky and and undefined um, but we don't want to do that we want to have a very very helpful clear uh, effective mission objective if we're going to step into um this culture war all right so basically what we have to do that do then is a is define our mission objective um and and jesse what do you think our mission objective is i'm kidding <laughs> like, like yours and mine or <laughs> yours and mine, me and you both of us together um that's, pr- that's probably the hardest one to answer honestly <laughs> <laughs> the the big thing is not to forget like as we're gonna we're about to talk about the mission objective is to not forget that our mission objective fits inside of a world a, f- a framework a worldview and there are what i would call superseding directives over all of the things that we talk about because they are the things that govern all of life for all time all right, so when we think about that, our whole life is intended for the purpose of glorifying God through joyful obedience. That is the whole sum total of man. That is, that's it. And so that's okay, a part John of Piper. <laughs> Gee whiz, I'm sorry. I don't even apologize for that. That's like John Piper from like circa like 99, 2000. <laughs> that, that's John. That's Johnny Pipes. Yeah, man. I don't, I don't mind the Piper. Yeah, you you got to pay the piper. <laughs> Obeying God starts at knowing what he has called us to do. His mission must become our mission, the mission of redemptive glory. All things will occur in, through, and for God. That is the full sum total of the superseding directive. And so since we, we you can't go forward unless you have that down. And for us, as we are taking a completely biblical approach to how we view and operate and live in the world, that is where we start. We are going to glorify God through joyful obedience. Now, from that, we we can we can get on board with God's mission. We can follow God's mission by then oh, that obedience looking like, what do we obey? All right, I'm going to obey God. What does that look like? What does that mean? That's where the mission objective really starts to take form, um, so that we can we can have. You know those objective goals we have we have a we have a, a clear purpose flowing in and through them right and that that is always going to be the glory of god but what are those what are there maybe some more specific purposes in it and then we have a, a tangible plan to see those objective outcomes occur uh john 17 1 through 5 i know i, I don't want to read that jesse if you wanted to i mean i have it do you have it up no go for it I was just clicking through, but you're going, you're rolling, bro. Okay. I've got, I have John 17 and then I've got Ephesians six up. Um, awesome. So John 17, one through five, it says, Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven. He said, father, the hour has come glorify your sons that the son may glorify you. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh that to whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life that they may know you. The only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, I glorified you on earth, having the, finished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Amen. All of this brings us into that superseding principle of walking in obedience for the glory of God. That is that is the thing above and over all things. But from that. We're going to then parse out what is our mission objective in a in a more everyday boots on the ground scenario. So it makes sense in my mind. I don't know if this fits with you, Jesse, but to start with the great 
commission. Hey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm down it's with mission, it. Mission objective co mission. Commission. No, I got it. It's it's in the name. It's in the name. Thank you for understanding. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Here's what we read. This is the uh, Great Commission, the commission of, of Christ uh, to the disciples. It says this. But the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Here we have the Great Commission. And the Great Commission and the mission objective is giving us a how, a why, and a what of the war. It's giving us that clear um, mission objective that we're looking for because we want something that's very tangible. Uh, Jesse, if you were to think of the Great Commission, what is the how oh man this is, i totally put you on the spot with that <laughs> the how the how would be i would think making disciples and baptizing them and then teaching them to keep all that i commanded yeah make or is that, that the what <laughs> i don't know what you're looking for here yeah no that's tough the what right would be to make disciples right i, I would think that's the what right and then the how is baptizing and teaching Yes, and the why also ultimately is going to be for the glory of God and unto salvation, ultimately, right. right? Yeah, the how is like the go part, like go, baptize, these active words, right? You're going to go, you're going to teach, right? You're going to teach the commands, you're going to baptize, and and the what is to make disciples. <laughs> so you need to know that. It's very important. We're going to make disciples, and the, the why is for the salvific glory of God that it's going to be fruitful and grow on the face of the planet. Well, that's, if that's our mission objective, we're going to go forward and, and, and make disciples. But even that in of itself doesn't parse out all of the things that we then see unfold in the church's formation, because we see so much. Yes. Disciples are constantly being made. And in amongst that is all of these other happenings, constant budding heads with, the cultural ethos and the powers that are in authority throughout the known world at that time, as, as so many will ally themselves um, with the world and then they'll be butting heads because they hate God over and over and over again. We see it. And so that brings us to another passage, uh, which really, it really kind of crystallizes the idea of the fact that there is a war that mission objective doesn't necessarily feel like it's in the midst of a war, but it is. It's coming in the midst of a war, and we're given that mission objective onto the battlefield. We can't ignore the fact that around us, all around us, the the shells are bursting, right? And and we've got we we've got night vision on. We're trying to find the enemy. All of this is happening all around us as we have this mission objective, and to understand that cultural war that we're in the midst of. I think Ephesians 6 probably parses it out the best. So Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 is the is the literal war we find ourselves in. You got that, Jess? Yeah, I got it here. <clears throat> um, Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the might of his strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. This is an absolutely fascinating passage. I don't know, Jesse, I've never even asked you, like, what are your thoughts on this aspect of the war? Do you feel like, and I've, I've always, because I've always read this in a verse in a certain way, and I think in really trying to understand what it's saying and the words that are being used there, I kind of have a different view of it. But do you feel like this this almost pulls the culture war just completely out of having anything to do with the tangible realm and just puts it into the spiritual realm? Um, I mean, I think that that's what, I think that's what I've been taught. Um, 
you know, in, in terms of the juxtaposition between flesh and blood and then some of the more spiritual language afterwards, um, you know, I was, I don't think I was ever taught or reinforced that it was a, a war that we actively participate in. It's more like a war that is happening, but that's like happening around us, but not happening like by our hand at all. Yeah, that's we're not that's, that we're not active participants in it. Right. You know. And that's what I've always I think we've always I think there was this scary thing that happened, at least in the cultures that we kind of grew up in, where there was, <clears throat> you know, back when the um charismatic movement was taking so much strength, strong was growing. It was growing rapidly and was was gaining so much ground. Uh, we come from churches that were far more uh, even dispensational and and baptistic in their in their ideologies and they pushed so hard against the that that charismatic movement uh, that they sort of abandon a lot of what we would call you know just sp spirituality in the faith and they locked latched on to mostly just tangible things why we had a lot of uh, uh, interactions with you know, legalism because it was tangible rule-based spirituality, right? It's all about these rules that makes you more or less holy um, and following them. And then that, that was, that's basically the opposite of a, you know, just a spiritual plane on which we exist and we fight in. It's kind of like they were two, they were, they were two opposites in that. And in doing so, I think that's exactly how we were instructed to see and receive this passage. But obviously everything that flows from this is clearly talking about a very real tangible war that we're going to be in, or else we don't need to wear all this armor. <laughs> we don't need to have this sword. So there is going to be an activity that we're going to need to engage in. Um, and one of the things I think is key is watching the building in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, right? We have we our war our war is not against flesh and blood it's against power right authority uh and then it's against uh i lost that third one what's the third one jess uh right in front of you <laughs> this says well so um against rulers authorities this this rulers LS, lsb translates this world forces that's, oh, that's world a, forces that sounds fun yeah that's that's unfamiliar to me um it's not a bad one because that one has to do with the earthly cosmic cosmic powers is uh, correct translation there and then the last one is heavenly is heavenly powers the darkness and evil spiritual forces in the heavens yeah correct and so we have a building up here <clears throat> the rulers aspect has to do with those people who have power right they have control that that is beyond what yours necessarily is and then you have authority, which are those those are those are people who can put in plan or actions that cannot be countered, right? And so these are two these are two aspects that do have tangible earthly, clearly tangible earthly connections. Um, that we are going to have to do battle with God's word and and faith as as a defense and righteousness guarding our heart. All of these things. We're going to have to engage with these people, and it's going—it's a—it's a battle that moves up in escalation, right? We're going from—we're going from from rulers who have power over us. We're going from authorities who can make and control laws and plans, and we're moving to this global, almost earthly power that's overall thing. And we got—we're moving to this this celestial or this uh, heavenly realm where there's authorities and rulers and powers. It's an ever escalating. Uh, battle that we see this this war is taking place in but all of them are things that god is the one who equips us in all of the aspects of the armor of god that's mentioned in ephesians 6 they are things that god has equipped us with so that we can do battle with these things and so what it, what what he's outlining here is that the armor of god is not something that is actually physical where it's flesh and blood it's something that you can use to fight the ideologies and now the ideologies will certainly be present inside of people that are flesh and blood <laughs> there will definitely be interactions that will be spiritual warfare where you are you're addressing this cultural war this this spiritual war on a real tangible level with other human beings and and i think we've all had those types of interactions
Yeah. Um, and as we're reading through the passage, it's interesting because both in um, both in Matthew 28 and in Ephesians 6, the opening to the section um, talks about where we're, it, it talks about the authority above what we're what we're about to do or the authority by which we do what we're about to do so like <clears throat> those words didn't really make sense but, but so matthew 28 18 jesus starts off by saying <laughs> all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth and then he says go therefore and in ephesians 6 verse 10 it opens up by saying be strong in the lord and in the might of his strength right so it starts yep. with the authority of god and then works its way down to our directive or our our mission and our objective from 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 that ultimate place of authority that that God has. Yep. I thought and, that was and, interesting. And it makes sense too because when we're talk, when we're thinking about the fact that this is a culture war, right? That we are we are being given mission objectives. They're coming from the general, they're coming from the one who leads this. Ultimately, they're coming from, you know, the victorious king. Like he's he is victorious. We are just in the midst of a battle of which a war is already won. That doesn't mean we don't faithfully fight inside of the battle that God has placed us in, whatever that scope is. And so with a mission objective and knowing it's inside of this war in which we are given the tools to wage war against these these darknesses, the ideologies and the spiritual the spiritual forces that are at play inside of tangible real ideologies that people hold and espouse we are called to do we are we are called to act and engage now it's important to note when we're thinking about power and authority it goes back right because often oftentimes inside of um the epistles they're written in a way where we want to stay inside of for a good hermeneutic we want to stay inside as close to the text how is the author using those words when we go back to ephesians chapter one and way back in the beginning of ephesians when we start in verse 17 of chapter one we're going to hear some of these ideas of power and authority being placed and whose power and authority truly is ruling and reigning who is the one in which we derive uh, our ability to even engage in this war and that is just as Jesse pointed out. It is God. Here's what Ephesians 1, 17 through 23 says. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places again there's another term that we're hearing from ephesians 6 far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all and all this is like the perfect set of verses to acknowledge that Christ rules and reigns over every earthly king and over every spiritual force. And he is with, imbued with the same exact authority as God. And he has the same glory of God and all authority and power is his. And it's just all right there in the text. <laughs> so you're telling me that when Jesus says that all authority is given to him, he actually like, means that all authority yeah, is given to him? Like, all? You mean All? <laughs> Anything, all of it? Yeah, I mean, all of it, man. All of it. All authority is his, right? King Jesus, that's who we serve. And it's not a game. It's not a, it's not a joke. It's not a little colloquialism. It's not a catchy little phrase that we use because governments suddenly got so full of themselves they thought they were God. No, no. It's just the reality of how we're supposed to live and breathe and find our being, move and find our being. It's just, it's just the way in which we are to operate as those who want to hold a faithful biblical ethic and a faithful biblical worldview. Now, there may be those of you that, are, that listen to our podcast or are going to watch this video and you're like, I'm not necessarily a Christian. I'm not necessarily engaged in that. But yet you do feel the ebbs and flows of a culture war of ideological uh, pushes and pulls and some that seem to be what you have a sense of clearly righteous and some that seem to be what you have a sense of is clearly unrighteous. All of that is true because of the Imago Dei, the imbuing of God in God's image into every uh, human image bearer that he has ever made. And in doing so, you're acknowledging the very spiritual war we are talking about. It's a real thing. Uh, it's a very obvious thing. There are people who 
who I would say are haters of God that acknowledge there's a clear cultural war going on right now. And, and there are, there's a, a right and a wrong in that culture war. And so we have to engage with these, these, this mission objective we've been given, right. To go out and disciple all of the while knowing that we have been called to push back and fight the darkness, wherever it may be found that stands opposed to the glory and righteousness of God. And so we have clear things that we're now called to do and we must do them. But there is a problem that creeps in. Um, and and that problem that creeps in is what is commonly known, and Jesse teased earlier, mission drift. Mission drift is something that has happened in any war that I've actually seen in my lifetime. Sorry, just making sure my... Where are you going, bud? <laughs> well, you know, my microphone is running off of the laptop that I'm using, and the laptop is what's running the microphone. And so it's a symbiotic relationship, and my laptop, which is plugged in, suddenly said, hey, might die soon. <laughs> it's like oh, kind no. of a dramatic thing. Nonetheless, technical glitches happen. Uh, mission drift uh, is where you have a mission objective, and then you continually seem to be adding things onto your objective or slightly altering the mission objective so that you never necessarily reach or meet what was supposed to be a clearly defined objective, which is the creep of additional or ulterior tasks and purposes into the purview of the original mission. So we want to avoid mission drift, or you may have heard it called mission creep. Right. Where the practical difficulties of every day can cause us to forget our superseding directive and our mission objective. This is where life happens, right? Like just stuff causes us to drift off course. Uh, you know, sometimes things go really well and suddenly we think, oh my gosh, I got this. Look, I can do this, right? That is mission drift. Our goal is to glorify God and him alone. If something has gone right, we should praise him, praise him for his glorious grace over us uh, and to us who do not deserve it. Um, that's and then this is just like one of the many things. Like this is this is like when you know you're driving in a Panera drive-through, and the child screaming, and you know you just want to place an order, and then you run into this jerk guy who makes whatever he makes just to take an order and touch a few keys on a screen, and he won't take your order because your kid's crying, and you're like, geez, I'm totally forgetting to glorify God right now, and all I have are four and five letter expletives that I want to say to this pompous jerk on the other end of the microphone <laughs> need to slay him slay him with the spirit yes that would be mission drift instead of seeking to glorify god in that situation you know i would much for i again i i still think the the best way to glorify god in that situation is to get your child real hyped up walk right into that front door and let them see how they deal with him this is my screaming child <laughs> here it is in all of its in all of its screamingness <laughs> i still want to place my order now anyway now no one, you know what? Now no one can place their order. <laughs> yeah, he can't even hear the drive-through now. That's at the microphone because of my kid inside the store screaming. <laughs> what are you gonna do now, buddy? Oh man, gee willikers. Um, so in dealing with the practical, the practical every day, remembering to constantly bring that under the superseding directive of glorifying God through through joyful obedience and bringing that into the mission objective of making disciples in the midst of waging war against the ideologies that are in rulers and authorities and and spiritually dark places all throughout this world it, it sounds like it's hard until you just do it and you realize okay yeah when my kid's freaking out that's an opportunity for me to glorify god I'm called to disciple them, right? When I'm at work and one of the 10 billion things that can go wrong at work goes wrong at work, which we should expect, by the way, since Genesis chapter three, right? When it goes wrong at work, wait a second, I can glorify God. I can glorify God by seeking to love him and make disciples, giving a reason for the hope that is within me as I'm doing this job. Um, and that's how we can address mission drift in the practical everyday little difficulty things. <sighs> Well, and we remember that the authority and the power isn't coming from us. Amen. The authority and power is coming from an unlimited source of authority and an, an unlimited source of power so that <clears throat> so that if we are discouraged, we look back to the author of the mission and we look back to that commander who does not sleep, who does not lose, and who we are fighting under 
and we we can regain and rally our strength um, under that banner. You know, that also helps us course correct back uh, and stay stay on task with the objective. Amen. Absolutely. Um, one of the other areas, just trying to give you a few understandings of how mission drift creeps in, um, is is with internal sin. Internal, internal sin that blinds us, right? It blinds us from the superseding directive and the mission objective that we're called to see, that, that internal sin. And this is where I want to remind everybody that <clears throat> repentance uh, doesn't contain in any way you doing any of the atoning for your sin, right? Um, there's no payment that we offer for our sin. Repentance is a turning from your sin to back to God. And repentance is one of the, one of those things that's completely restorative in God's economy. When you repent, God does not then say, all right, well, now you're starting back at a level one Christian, you know, and if you work real hard, maybe you can get back up to a level five super Christian. Like that's not how God works. It's not an RPG, right? (laughs) It's, it's completely restorative. You, you repent, you turn from your sin, you confess it to God, and and you are are back walking with God that moment. That is the moment in which you're back walking with God. And I think that helps us to really work at the internal sin um, that does blind us from our mission objective and that superseding directive to glorify God in obedience and indeed to make disciples battling in the forces of evil and darkness in high places. Doing that um, that repentance will cause us to jump right back in the fight as we are called to do. Uh, I believe it was Martin Luther who did say that the mark of an ever maturing Christian is one who finds himself turning faster to repentance. The idea the faster, the more mature you are is, and as a Christian is the faster you will be repenting of your sin. You'll be seeing, identifying, confessing and repenting from your sin. That's not right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Winning. <laughs> Um, the other aspect inside of cult, the culture aspect of the mission, mission drift is where the world can demand that we forgo those same things, right? The, the superseding directive and the mission objective utilizing replacement power and authority. It wants to give us its own power and authority and replace the true power and authority, which comes from the one we serve God, as we saw in Ephesians one in Matthew 28. Um, and we have to identify that rightly because the world's constantly trying to do that all the time. It wants to replace it with any sort of any sort of power authority it can place over us. It wants to do right. It wants to work hand in hand with uh, Satan uh, and the flesh and, and you have the world and these things creep in and we must identify them as distractions from the King's true mission for us to accomplish. Yes. And amen. Amen. Awesome. Um, there's a couple of practical things that I, I we kind of finished up the notes with. And if you wanted to run through those, Jesse, since I just I just did the last three. Sure. So um <clears throat> first, uh like we really wanted to, as we were discussing like how to do the series, uh one of the things I mentioned is that we want these we want these points to be more than just like meta. You know, like we we want it to be practical for you where you're at in your churches and in your ministries. So um, one of the first things that we should um, should take into consideration when we're talking about the practical aspects of this is that we must never make the battles the mission uh, or rather the components of the mission. So. Excuse me. So we we can't. um What's that saying? <laughs> no, it's it's kind of like the opposite of losing the forest from the trees, right? It's it's right. it's replacing it's replacing the the main thing with uh, more like the immediate thing, kind of like yep. a, a news yep. cycle wants yep. to do, or yep, or you know, um, or Alistair Bag on Facebook right now. Uh, right, right, right. Not you know, like exactly. it's these uh, these temporary these temporary things. That can so easily distract us from, uh, you know, the, the thing that we were doing and the thing that we should still be doing, uh, right? But it's it's this other thing that wants to get our attention and kind of kind of throw us off off track. And like for for those of you that have listened to us for a long time, I think this makes sense. Like it's like this podcast for us. This podcast can address cultural issues at, at on, on any given week on any given particular topic, and we can use that as a resource for our church. 
but we're not going to get distracted into the particular topic we're talking about so much so that it consumes us and it totally distracts us from the full mission of our call as pastors to our local body right um, that would just be stupid right and so so we can see the we can see these little moments where we're having the battle but the battle doesn't take over the mission like like i think i think one of the things that we really appreciate is the guys that um <clears throat> abolitionist rising and the work that they've been doing in some of their street preaching is that when they're talking about abortion for so many people when you're doing abortion abortion is just the issue but but what is so great is to watch them do it abortion is never the issue it's the call to repentance and coming to salvation it's always there present what they're doing and that is where the battle there that they're waging war against is the abortion but they're not they don't lose the mission right um they don't lose the mission in the midst of of the battle that they're in which i think is so super important because you don't want that mission drift to pull you away right um I don't know if those I hope the hopefully those examples help you because you don't want to get caught up in the battle and forget your mission. You don't want to get caught up in the fact that your teen is ridiculously overly stressed and you lose your your stuff on your your child because you totally got caught up in this battle. You lost the battle. You totally didn't see the mission and everything melted and fell apart. And everything's burning around you, right? You don't want to do that. You want to make sure that you could put the battle in context of the greater mission. It will actually help you to fight the battle more effectively. Whew. Did I make that up? I'm sorry that wasn't clear. This is why, you know, Jesse, you should step in at any time and just edit all the notes <laughs> so that they're easier to understand. I don't know why. I assume that they'll be easy to understand. For the never assume that. I do a light skim and I'm like, all right, yeah, no, this makes sense. Just always where we're going. We'll be fine. Always whole whole milk always better not skim no skim whole <laughs> why don't you take the next point justin <laughs> practically practically <laughs> was never allowed the creep mission creep each influence is not in place to allow creep but as a way to exalt the king and the mission objective <clears throat> every time we run into the things that are that that could be influencing us away whether it be sin just practical everyday mundane life that tries to distract us whether it's aspects of the world uh coming in and and trying to replace the power and authority of christ pulling us away from the the, the mission objective and the superseding directive all of these <clears throat> all of these these avenues in which creep happens all of those things aren't to allow creep we must acknowledge them bring them back under authority to the king right and the mission objective and so all of those things that we're acknowledging where the world's trying to re replace the truth, power and authority with a false power authority. Well, boom, that's that's not just that doesn't just allow permission creep that actually allows for us to begin to win battles and move forward in a mission objective because we're able to rightly call out those lies of power and authority that are trying to place over us or they want us to succumb to. Right. When when those mundane influences that are trying to just distract us. Right whether it's doom scrolling on Facebook or, or an issue in the house, right? Whatever those particular things are, those aren't just things that can lead to mission drift. They are things that can be leveraged into mission objective, right? We can actually leverage them back under the authority of the one true king, the general who's given us these orders. And in doing so, they suddenly, they go from things that can cause mission drift that, to things that push an advance into the mission objective and i think we have to see that and if we can take a second to see and it's and by the way this is where repentance is key R repent 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 to people you sin against repent in the moment in which sin happens repent always repent because repentance allows us for that moment to say yeah that was an opportunity for the kingdom to advance and i missed the mark but god has restored me and i'm going to push forward again i'm going to be looking for that next time i'm going to be ready next time Mission prep has to, which we'll probably talk, that'll be a great portion of the culture war. All this has to be done beforehand. And so we have to, we have to debrief after we repent and after we have sinned, after we have missed the mark and acknowledge that there are ways in which we could have actually taken ground in those moments instead of letting mission drift push us off course from what God has called us to do. Yep. Yes. And if you had read that, I'm looking at it right now, Jess, I'm reading it and I'm like, that's not helpful to Jesse. That's there's no. Way. <laughs> well, after I read mine, I read ahead, and I'm like, ah. That would. That's I, like I could do the last one. It's like here, let me let me stab you in the eye. Can you figure this out? <laughs> that's horrible. 
Like, I read it and I'm like, yeah, I knew what I was saying. But who says that? Anyway, I'm sorry. Influence? Like, what? what? Anyway, so uh, finally, to to wrap up, <laughs> oh. to wrap up, um, practically, uh, and you just you just kind of touched on this in your closing. We must fight against the unrighteousness that rises up in our hearts, homes, towns, and thrones. We are uniquely blessed to do these very things, and yet we often waste them. Um, you know, like the it's kind of like. Um, like if you're trying to navigate the seas, right? A, a small mistake in the little things can lead to a huge veering off course um, in the later things. So, like a lot of times, we look at, we think of a, we think of a culture war, and we think big, but you know that big stuff is the end result, and it's downstream from our responsibilities to ourselves and our wives and our children and our local church and our local community. And then <laughs> this, these things fall into place down the line. Um, uh, we, we have to be humble enough to fight the war of our own sin. First and foremost, you know, it's, it's the log and spec, um, you know, example that, that Jesus gave. Um, we have to deal with our own ish. And we need to do so humbly and quickly and get back in the game because the war doesn't stop when we sin. Like the war doesn't give us time to, you know, wallow or it doesn't give us time to uh, imbibe in a sin for a time. It just like pauses and lets us do our thing. And then it resumes when we're back on track. Like the war keeps going and the stakes are always high. And again, we have to look to and draw our power from the infinite source of power and we have to operate under the ultimate authority and we it's the quicker we get back to that the quicker we repent in our own hearts the quicker we hold our wives and children accountable to the word yep. and um the quicker we course correct our churches if need be or continue on course in our churches we confront sin in one another um, the faster we do that the faster we get back in the game and the more ground um gets taken quicker we have to be humble enough to do that. It starts with, it starts with, it's like Jalen Hurts says every week, it starts with me, it starts with me, you know. <laughs> now throw a touchdown. Yeah, throw a touchdown. Yeah, and... Run again. Just learn to run again. Look, no, we're not doing Philly sports. This is not a, no, we're not debriefing Philly sports right now. <clears throat> no, anyway. Yeah. Well, both of our lines were just absolutely trash the past few games. <laughs> that was so bad. It, it was I mean, seven weeks of losing after. If, if he, after 10 weeks of winning. <laughs> so he great. had just like a little bit of time to throw the ball. Uh, All right. You know, that, that would have <clears throat> helped. Anyway. The other <laughs> thing here is that it's, it's never, it's a, it has to start personally, right? So the heart's aspect is it has to start in your heart. You have to begin with that, that, that sin and my fighting against unrighteousness and using that spiritual warfare first in the sin that's inside of you. And then it moves ever out. So hearts to homes, right? inside of the four walls of our homes. And here, I think I, what I'm trying to point to is the communities that we're in as well. So we also have home churches that we're also all in. And then from there, we go out into towns. We go out into aspects of the world where we also have to bring, bring and carry forth that war against unrighteousness into the places in which we work, into places into which we buy and sell goods, into the places in which the marketplace is, in, the, in which the marketplace of ideas is. And then we look at thrones and we're talking about how we actually interact with with the rulers and the authority that is present inside of our, our world and so it's ever expanding out but we can't forget where it begins sometimes we think we want to jump into the battle at the end right we want a war against the authorities but wait have we ever actually battled the unrighteousness that's actually inside of our own hearts and once we start there we're going to find ourselves actually seeking to make that ground in all the other areas because they all kind of coalesce at once we see how they all fit together constantly, right? There are aspects of life in which our kids may interact with aspects of things that the throne actually oversees, laws and regulations and rules, right? And even if it's like a small kingdom that they're in, maybe they're in a, a private Christian school or they're in a homeschool co-op and there was a small authority issue. Like there's even in there, we're seeing aspects in which we're, all right, now we're 
we're synergistically weaving these things together where we're constantly pushing back against against sin and unrighteousness and darkness that rules with ideologies in high places and we're going to push back against that and we have to do that the amazing thing is we're so uniquely blessed to do this because we live in a time and if we were in what is the dregs of christendom right now right the the dregs of western civilization we are in a place where we are still free to do these things and push back on these things and have these kinds of conversations and move in these kinds of directions. There are places in the world where that does not exist. In fact, there are large portions of history across all time and space where that hasn't been the case. And yet we seem to squander it. We should not, we should not do that. We have to grab a hold of this mission objective and we have to take that superseding directive and push forward into our call. Mm -mm. Well, well, whatever you do, definitely don't have those conversations in front of an abortion clinic because then they will arrest you and charge you. Yet um, another story, right? With where a we fake law, <laughs> with a completely fake, bull honky law. Well, it's a. It was you. You know what? I just again, this is all culture war stuff. All culture war stuff. You have to understand when you are when you are making a deal with the devil and you think you've gotten a concession you haven't you don't he doesn't the devil doesn't will not give you a concession so that you know something is fair that's not his goal right sin sin corrupts completely that's what it does and so this the face act which is the law that they utilized just in case anyone's curious the i'm sorry in tennessee 11 people were just found guilty of violating the face act as they basically sat and sang hymns outside of an abortion clinic but the problem was it was in an office building and you know in an office building you go into an office building and you have to walk down some hallways to get to whatever you know sweet a or sweet f whatever the abortion murder hexscape is in this place you know and where are you gonna like you can't just stand in front of the office building there's like 40 different things inside this office building that would be totally wrong right you wouldn't want to do that so you get to the specific hallway and they simply leaned and sat to sing hymns right people could still continue to go about but no they decided they were blocking access to a clinic and that is the face act right um people basically it was if you're doing uh, vandalism uh, or blocking access to or or from to or from or of a abortion clinic uh, or a place of worship, more or less. That's what it is. And you think you get a concession. You're like, oh, yeah, sure. You can have abortion clinics, you know, liberal progressives and conservatives get to say churches. <laughs> but do you know how many times the FACE Act has been utilized to defend churches and pregnancy crisis centers? Zero times. Although you will remember that when Roe rolled out, they were literally vandalizing and burning pregnancy centers all across the nation, <laughs> but nobody was tried for those, you know. Uh, but these eleven, these eleven, you know, you can you can make a kinky gay sex tape in the Senate office building and not and not, get, not get charged with a blessed thing, but you can Maybe. sit in a hallway and go to jail for eleven years. Yeah, like, and it's and it, it is it is ridiculous. Um, but this is where the culture war engages. We have to look at that and we say, no, no, we're not going to we're not going to pass this law because we know, right, we have to put people, we have to elect people, we have to identify people, we have to engage in the process a lot earlier, right, than now. Uh, because you know what, if we were smart and we were clever, we would have had people really looking at the FACE Act and identifying aspects in which that law actually could have been used against very certain local jurisdictions of governments that stopped people from holding church during covid right like but but we're not we're not we're not staying as engaged as we should be it's obviously an evil law that defends an evil law because there is no constitution there is a constitutional right to life that would be pregnancy crisis centers crisis pregnancy centers there is a constitutional right to freedom of religion and and the expression of that religion that would be churches right but there is no constitutional law for murdering your child it doesn't exist in the constitution in fact, we know it doesn't because it was just affirmed by the Supreme Court as not existing in the Constitution. So why would you allow, why would anyone allow them to make that law that 
that def- in the same breath defends life and the right to worship and murder your baby. Why would anyone say, yes, these things are the same. We should probably protect all of these things. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. I got off on a tangent. It's, this is your fault. You brought it up. It's it's messed up, man. It's messed up. It's you, brought, you, just... you, brought, you brought this on us all by bringing that up again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, that's, I mean, that's all. I, that, that's the entirety of the notes. I, ho- I hope this clearly outlines the idea of mission objective and what our mission objective is as uh, as Christians, as the church, um, so that we can we can move forward and love and care for and disciple a dying world. What do you think, Jess? Did we get that one? Yeah, I think that was pretty good. All right, not but, bad. You know what I just realized now? What is that? If we both try to say seeds of faith at the same time, it's not going to work all. because because it's 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 bad. Right. Well, you go ahead and speak right now. Why? Because I was doing a little time thing to see if I could actually set it up. Should we try? Although technically, if it's record, I wonder if it's recording live on my end. If you go first and I say seize the faith, when you do, if it'll actually work. All right. Well, you just like tell me to talk. Yeah, just do it. Just like, just close. I'll try it. I mean, it, the people get what they get. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, this, is a free, this is a free podcast. This is a free resource. We just love and care for you guys and want to equip our church and, and churches all over the place with these yeah, ideas. It's not like we're hiding behind a paywall or making you listen to ads or anything like that. <laughs> that doesn't happen. I'm still confused, though. Are you say going first or am I going first? No, no. You would go first because I would overwrite the lag. I think that's fun. Let's see how it goes. Okay. As, we, <laughs> as we do on every episode of the Carbon Fide podcast, dear Christian, we want to encourage you to seize, seize the faith. The faith. <laughs> it sounds, see, it sounds no bad for you. There's it sounds no bad way. for you, but I think it'll be okay. <laughs> okay. You think, 